This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. When your personal investments need help to reach your retirement dreams and navigating the complex world of financial planning requires an experienced manager, that's when you know you're ready for prime time. Welcome to Prime Time Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino, Senior Wealth Advisor at RBC Dominion Securities. Welcome, everybody, to Canada's Only Money Show, dedicated to those of you 50-plus in your overall investment tax and estate planning and your direct link to all of North America's top money managers with the best ideas on how you can grow your money. We have an excellent show planned for you again today. Bryce Gill from Austin, Texas, who's also an economist and is part of the First Trust economics team that Bloomberg has ranked as one of the top forecasters in the United States economy over the last several years, is going to be joining us to talk about his outlook on the markets today. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. And then back by popular demand is the rapid fire round. I'm going to go over one topic that we've been getting all kinds of question on, and that's joint accounts. Do you have a joint account? Are you thinking about um, setting up a joint account with someone? You know, there's four different types of joint accounts out there. Do you know the difference between all of them? Well, I'm going to answer that question in the rapid fire round today to, and I'll have a great handout for you too, as well regarding um, joint accounts. But first, um, we have an upcoming uh, in-person seminar coming up uh, next month. It's going to be on Wednesday, September the 14th, and it's at 12 noon. And the workshop's going to be held at Oasis Banquet Center in Mississauga. Lunch is going to be provided for those um, that will be attending. And then during the um, this complimentary session, we have two important guests. So it's a, a different kind of a seminar that we've done from the past. We have two guests this time. We'll have uh, Jeff Sire. He's um, a global infrastructure manager at Nine Point Partners, and he's going to be going over um, the outlook for the global economies and a presentation update uh, on you know what's happening with infrastructure. So if you take a look at what's been going on with this market, infrastructure and companies around infrastructure and clean energy and those types of companies have led this uh, recovery that we've had so far. So it's one area that you're going to want to hear about, and it's an area that's always going to be not always, but it's in um, huge demand today. You know, you take a drive through Toronto, Mississauga, Oakville, construction going on, roads getting fixed, um, you know, problems with bridges being, uh, fed, you know, the airport, shipping terminals, you know, those types of things. That's what infrastructure is in, involved in, and those kind of companies that are involved in infrastructure, you're going to hear that. The second part of the show is going to be more on the estate planning side. So we're going to have um, Peter Cardisopoulos, who is our, you know, our team um, partner that helps our clients with estate planning. And he's going to be going through different estate planning techniques for you. And he's going to talk about what's called the wealth transfer strategy. And he's also going to be talking about vehicles that you can use through estate planning and through insurance that are going to give you um, tax exempt type of structures. So if you're interested in estate planning and, and interested in looking at what's the best strategies for your estate and you're in that age where you want uh, you know, to have that in place, then you're going to want to come out and listen to Peter. So two parts. We're going to have Jeff come and talk about the global markets and the outlook for the markets and uh, focus on infrastructure. And then Peter's going to come on and he's going to talk about all these estate planning strategies. You're going to get a well-rounded um, presentation coming up, and that's going to be on uh, Wednesday, September 14th. It's from 12 till about 2 p.m. Lunch is included. And if you'd like to register, all you got to do is give Dominique a call now at one 891 2637 That's 
1-866-891-2637. Now, we have a website where you can register as well, and it's primetimemoney, all one word, primetimemoney.ca. So if you type that in, you're going to get to our website, and then on there it'll say information for registering for the seminar, and um, you can just um, type your name in there, and then Dominique will make sure that you get registered. So again, if you don't want to do that, then just give Dominique a quick call now or after the show at one 891 2637 If you give voicemail, just leave your name and your email address or your phone number, and she'll call you right back to uh, confirm that you're registered for the seminar. So this is a seminar that you're really going to want to listen to. Okay, do you want to know about the U.S. economy and where it's headed? Stay right there. Bryce Gill, who's a chief economist at First Trust, is going to explain his outlook for the United States. I'm Richard Infantino, and this is Primetime Money. back. You're listening to Richard Infantino on Primetime Money. And joining us now is Bryce Gill, who's the chief economist at First Trust in the United States. And we asked Bryce to come on to give us his thoughts on how and where the U.S. economy is headed. Hey, good morning, Bryce. Thanks for uh, taking the time out to join us today from Austin, Texas. How you doing? Absolutely. Well, I'm doing well today. And, and thank you so much for having me. You know, we wanted to have you on. You're an economist there with First Trust, and uh, we've been working with you folks for a couple of years now. And I wanted to just, you know, get your thoughts on, you know, inflation has been very high. Energy prices took off, and now they're kind of pulling back a bit. You know, what have we learned from what's happening with uh, inflation and, you know, and going into, um, you know, going into the fall? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I think the first thing to say is it's it's not like there's some new knowledge that's been discovered here. It really comes down to the old saying, too much money chasing too few goods. Okay. And, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk about the cost of living crisis. I really see it as a cost of lockdown crisis, right? We took these unprecedented measures during the pandemic uh, when you're shutting down factories and you're shutting down workplaces all over the world. There's obviously going to be fewer goods out there in circulation for people to purchase. And we're all, all familiar with the, the shelves being bare. Or, you know, it started out with toilet paper. Today it's baby formula. Uh, but, you know, not only are there fewer goods out there in circulation for people to buy, uh, but on top of that, pretty much every government in the world decided to print a lot of money up. And so, hey, more money chasing fewer goods, that's the classic recipe for inflation. Yeah. So now going forward, uh have you seen, like, down there in the States, have you seen a trend towards, uh, you know, going from, you know, goods to more money on services? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that was the big thing, right, is pre-pandemic Americans, and I'm, I'm sure it's pretty similar in Canada, it's, it's like this over most of the developed world, Americans spent about 70% of their dollars on services. So, you know, everything from haircuts, to traveling, to going to the movie theater, to getting on a cruise ship. Uh, but obviously, all of those things were what was shut down during the pandemic. And so, you know, people were stuck inside buying stuff off Amazon. And now that we're two years into this thing and vaccines are out there and people are feeling a little bit more comfortable, they're they're sick of buying goods. They're ready to get out there and, and start living their lives again. And, you know, everybody asks, hey, how do we return to normal? At least in my mind, normal means, hey, we return to the, the same kind of consumption preferences we had pre-pandemic. And, you know, this is obviously impacted companies like Target and Walmart uh, who have too many inventories because people are, you know, not buying goods anymore. But the upside is, hey, you know, uh, restaurants are slammed. Uh, Airlines, you know, can't keep enough pilots to get 
the flights in and out of, on, on time, and I expect that to continue. Oh, so we should see that, uh, you know, rush towards uh, services continue. So that that's uh, the problem area. But in terms of the general economy and uh, things getting kind of back to normal, like what's your guys' forecast there for that? Yeah, so, you know, if back to normal means, you know, you know the, all the jobs that we lost during the pandemic, yeah. the good news is we're pretty much there. Uh, okay. In the United States, um, all the jobs lost have been replaced at this point. So, by that measure, hey, the economic recovery is going pretty well. But the flip side is, you know, hey, how do we get back to normal inflation 2% a year, which is what everybody got used to for a long time. Uh, and, and on that front, I think, you know, that's that's frankly years and years away. Um, we're going to see progress here in 2022, but uh, it's going to be pretty hard to get back to the, the pre-pandemic status quo on, on price increases. Now, you know, looking back into what happened during the uh, pandemic in terms of manufacturing and, uh, you know, having to, you know, order goods all over the world and having issues with that. You, you see, you know, in the United States, and probably the same would be in Canada, you see manufacturing begin to come back home after all these disruptions? Yeah, absolutely. Why I think inflation's probably going to stay high for a while mm-hmm. is that, you know, obviously there's downsides to globalization, right? We've all been living through that over the past couple of years, the supply chain problems and you know, shortages of, of things on shelves. But, you know, if globalization does one thing well, uh, it makes things affordable, right? You get to take advantage of less expensive labor and materials all over the world. Uh, companies all over the world are competing with each other mostly on price. So mm-hmm. it's kept a lid on inflation almost as like an automatic force in the background for decades, frankly. Uh, and now after the pandemic, this is the largest singular event outside of maybe the world wars that I can think of that's changed how businesses think about their supply chains in a fundamental way. And no longer is it all about efficiency because, hey, that works pretty well, um, you know, putting your supply chains abroad, as long as you can reliably load a ship on one side of the planet, offload it on the other side of the planet on time. But, you know, if one factory in that supply chain shuts down due to, you know, covid restrictions. And here in the United States and Canada, those are starting to go away. But I think it's important to to let everybody know, hey, in China, they're still having these lockdowns on a rolling basis regularly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're our largest supplier of manufactured goods. And so until we can really rebuild some of these factories and bring some of this manufacturing home, which I think is happening, uh, that's what's going to keep inflation high and and shortages kind of sticking around longer than we want it to. But obviously, the upside is, hey, we're going to finally bring some of this manufacturing home. And I think uh, that's something that a lot of people want to see. Yeah, for sure. You know, I have a client, a large furniture uh, company, and they, you know, they're saying that you still can't get shipping containers and you still, you know, the prices have gone up tenfold to get the the containers shipped across for you. So it's still a problem. Um, So I guess just to finish off then, Bryce, um, like What's your feeling in terms of, you know, a soft landing compared to recession? Maybe we're already in a recession. Like, what's your, your, your feelings on that? Yeah, and, you know, down here in the United States, this recession that, that we're currently in, you know, we've had two consecutive negative quarters of GDP growth. Uh, it's become a big topic of discussion because, you know, it's a midterm election year, right? And so right. the Republicans and the Democrats have been kind of batting this back and forward. What I will say is, you know, I think 90 percent of people, when they hear recession, what they think of is, is two negative quarters of GDP. And so I have no problem calling what we're in a recession. But what I like to point out to people is, 
hey, this is the weirdest recession that I could possibly think of. Because, you know, typically what happens is millions of people lose their jobs, wages fall, personal income falls. And when people don't have money to spend, they don't go out and spend it, right? Businesses don't invest. This creates that downward spiral uh, that we all feel as a recession. Well, that's currently not happening today, even with GDP being negative. You know, job numbers keep hitting record highs. Wages keep rising. Businesses keep investing. Retail sales continue to do well. And so, you know, we're in this kind of weird period where one traditional measure like GDP shows we're in recession. And these other traditional measures what, that we typically expect to go along with it uh, are, are going in the exact opposite direction. And so, um, you know, especially as an investor, I kind of look at this situation and say, hey, what I care about is, is not necessarily the technical definition of a recession. Uh, what I care about is earnings falling, right? Earnings and interest rates are the two big components of financial asset valuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at least within your brokerage account, right, uh, things continue to do pretty well. We're having a big uh, stock market rebound here in the United States. Um, I expect that to continue through the end of the year as inflation you know, makes some progress. It's not going back to 2%. Uh, and the labor market continues to expand. So I think there's storm clouds, but they're, they're still thankfully on the horizon uh, and, um, you know, this is not what we typically would call a recession. It's, it's a weird one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different from the sense of, of what you just said there. So it, it looks like to us, you know, inflation is kind of, as you're saying, is, it has peaked and is turning down. So this is, you know, when, when the listeners uh, take a look at their portfolios um, and they're, they're feeling a little bit more confident today. So you're saying that that confidence should continue for the rest of the year. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think uh, it's very likely that we're going to see continued progress on inflation. So that means interest rates will, you know, at least not rise and probably stay, you know, stable. Uh, And at the same time, earnings are going to continue to rise. So, hey, rising earnings and and lower interest rates, that's a recipe for a rebound. And I think that's why we're seeing that today. Now, is it going to be enough for us to get into uh, new all-time highs, a new bull market in stocks? I think probably not. I think for that to happen, we really have to, you know, solve the inflation problem, get it back to 2%, um, you know, reshore some of this manufacturing, rebuild our, our global trading system. And that's not something that can happen in, in six months, right? Uh, and so that's the big worry that I have is deglobalization and this, this supply chain problems kind of sticking around for the foreseeable future. Well, that's great, Bryce. I, I know you're busy. Thanks for uh, taking the time out today to join us. It's great having you on, and uh, hopefully we can get you on again real soon. Absolutely, Richard. I'd be happy to do it anytime. All right. You You take care. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was Bryce Gill. He's an economist for the First Trust Economics team in the United States. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. The distributions are not guaranteed and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. The show is sponsored in part by First Trust. Okay, folks, stay right there because the rapid-fire round is back after a lot of weeks being off, and I have one or two questions that you're going to want to hear about. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. It's time for the rapid-fire round, where Richard answers all of your financial questions. Okay, the rapid-fire round... Remember, folks, uh, we need your questions. So if you have any questions for us, just uh, call Dominique, 1-866-891-2637. That's 1-866-891-2637. You can ask us any questions about investing, taxes, 
or estate planning, we'll be happy to uh, answer it here on the show. Also, you can go to our email, and it's primetmoney, primetmoney at gmail.com. That's primetmoney, all one word, at gmail.com. You can email your questions directly there. You can call Dominique and email her a question. So any way you want to do it, one 891 we need your questions. one 891 2637 for your questions for the rapid fire round. Okay, let's get going here first. Okay, our first one comes from Raymond in Midland. I have a joint investment account with my wife, Diane, that she would be able to access upon my death. I have another investment account in my name only that holds stocks and bonds. What are the tax implications related to that account upon my death? Would it be possible to turn that account into a joint account with my wife now? Are there any tax implications if that's done? That's a great question, Raymond. If you have a joint account, it can be transferred to your spouse on a tax-deferred basis upon your death. Generally, unrealized capital gains would not be triggered by the death of the spouse, and the assets would transfer to the surviving spouse at their adjusted cost base. So say, for instance, you bought TD Bank at $20 a share, and now it's $80 a share. On passing, uh, what would happen? There would be no tax liability at that particular time, but your surviving spouse would have that $20 cost basis on their account going forward. So when they pass away, then all those capital gains would be uh, realized at that point. Your executor um, could also elect at this point to take some of those capital gains if they wanted to. So say, for instance, you passed away and you had a real low tax return or um, you had some tax credits available to you, your tax account could say, you know, I'm going to take some of these capital gains now. So say, for instance, let's go back to that example with TD Bank stock. The accountant could say, okay, we're going to take that TD Bank stock and we're going to realize the capital gain on the the person that just passed away and take that $60 a share and use it. So then the surviving spouse would retain that TD Bank stock, but they would retain it at an $80 cost base rather than a $20 cost base, and they can transfer that uh, to you at that point. Um, So that's that's an opportunity for that. As for changing the account that you have that's in your name alone now to the uh, joint with the spouse's name, the the thing you got to remember is that if you do that, um, all of the dividends and interest and any uh, capital gains would be attributed to you in this case. So this account um, doesn't split the tax, but does have a state planning benefit. So now I have this, uh, again, folks, you have this account that's in one person's name alone. Now they want to make a joint. Again, all the interest and all the dividends that you have in the stocks and the bonds would be attributed to the person that originally owned it. But there's uh, estate planning benefits to it because basically what it would do is it would avoid the probate process and would save you all the costs in terms of doing probate on that account. Now, there's a lot more to joint accounts from a legal and tax perspective, but help is on the way. You know, with um, RBC uh, Wealth Management, it has a great guide. It's called Joint Ownership. And here's what the guide has in it. It talks about uh, the differences between joint tenancy and tenancy in common, joint rights of survivorship, and joint gift of beneficial right of survivorship. Those are four different types of joint accounts. I bet you didn't know that there was four of them. So you have to know the difference between these. Uh, And in terms of when you set up a joint account, which is the best way for you to set up that joint account? And it's depending on the assets that you want to share in this particular circumstances. So that's really key to what you're doing. So also in this guide, it also talks about key considerations before you transfer assets into a joint account potential unintended consequences that can come from holding joint accounts, which is the the main thing that you have to read in terms of 
putting someone on your account, what does that bring into that account? What kind of consequences could happen if you add this name to your account? And then other estate uh, vehicles that you may want to consider instead of a joint account, like an alter ego trust or a joint partner trust, testamentary trust, or just outright gifts of money where you're gifting the money uh, while you're alive. Um, also granting power of attorney on trading and, uh, and authorization. So you can have a, a person that has the authorization when you deal with a, a firm like ours for a power of attorney and trading authority so they can make trades on your behalf. And then finally, uh, the end of the uh, handout has a, what's the right option for you? So it's a great guide. And uh, if you're doing planning uh, right now for estate planning, or if you're looking at uh, setting up a joint account, or if you have a joint account now, this is kind of must reading. So if you'd like to get a copy of the guidebook, and it's, it's simply called uh, Setting Up Joint Accounts and What You Should Understand, all you have to do is give Dominique a call now. It's one 37. That's one 891 for the Joint Ownership Account Guide. And it explains everything to you. Now, there's a lot more to these than, than what you're considering. So f- lots of folks get together and they say, okay, I'm going to set this account up joint with my son. I'm going to set it up joint with all of my kids. Um, there's lots of consequences that happen when you do those types of things. And then what type of joint um, kind of partnership do you want in this? You know, there's tenancy in common and then there's uh, rights of survivorship. What's the differences? You got to understand all of that. So make sure you get this guide if you if you have a joint account or you're considering getting a joint account. Take a look at this, and I'll give you some great pointers. That, and it was produced by the great folks at uh, RBC Wealth Management. So give Dominique a call now, and you can leave you if you get on voicemail. And we get lots of calls, so you might have to go to voicemail. One eight six six eight nine one twenty six thirty seven. That's one eight six six eight nine one twenty six thirty seven for an important guide. It's the uh, guide for uh, joint accounts. Well, we only had time for one question. We're all out of time. Now, we covered a lot today. And uh, remember, uh, we talked about the workshop coming up on September 14th. Or you can give her a call on the guidebook for joint accounts. See you all back here next week. We're going to have Jason Meyer here. He's the senior portfolio of Nine Port Partners. And he's going to talk about how you can get 100% tax rate off on your account. So remember, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our podcasts are on Apple Music, Prime Music, and Spotify. But we can be linked directly at our website, primetimemoney.ca. See you next week, folks. I'm Richard Infantino, and this has been Primetime Money. The strategies and advice during primetime money are provided for general guidance. Listeners should consult their own investment advisor when planning to implement a strategy. Interest rates, market conditions, special offers, tax rulings, and other investment factors are subject to change. Richard Infantino is an investment advisor with RBC Dominion Securities, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.